Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's up, people? This is DJ. Hey, mi gente, this is Ish. And, and this, this is season, season two, two of Pero Let Me Tell, tell You. Michelle, Tamika, and Tanya want to do? Ride this train. Come on, y'all. Come on, ride this train. And if you were not jamming to that song in 1997 <laughs> or in the late 90s, we can't be friends. So with that, that should be our intro unless, song. Unless you weren't born then. Bueno. Right. That's that's the, we're gonna call that the exception. Okay. Well, I mean, if you weren't born then, no, then fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's good enough. Well, right. with that said, <laughs> Michelle, Tamika, and Tanya, and everybody else on the train and on the Venga bus. Yes, and and what other modes of transportation? Plane trains about? and automobiles. Welcome to episode 59, 59 of Pero Let Me Tell You. And before we get into our regularly scheduled programming. Yes, it's, a, it's a lengthier one today. Ish, Ish and I just came from an event where we met Ana Navarro. And I, it made my week, yes, my month. Yes. We I, had the uh, Burger Beast lunch for his book, All About the Burger. Right. So um, we're there and this woman passes by me and I'm like, I do a double take. I'm like, is that Ana Navarro? And then when I turn around, there was this <laughs> other lady um, who happens to be the wife of Burger Beast's sister. Um, sister-in-law. Yeah. And I almost tackled the woman to like get a picture with Ana Navarro. Yes. Yes. The listeners, all, he would have taken all his legal wrangling to because that was a lawsuit involving a civilian, a celebrity. It would have yeah. it wouldn't have ended well, but she was a total doll. And then she chatted with us. Yeah. Um, it, she kind of made joke a little bit of the Joe Biden yeah, yeah. situation, and yeah. um, she was she great. Was a total sass. She was great. Yeah. Maybe she'll be on the podcast a little here's later. Who knows? Here's, here's hoping. Um, I'm a I'm a huge fan of hers. I've been a, a fan of hers for years, and this now you may know he he watches the view. He and now now that she's officially on The View, you know, since I, I referenced The View and CBS Sunday Morning. Man, The View and CBS Sunday Morning should, like, pay us. Let's get Jane Pauley. <laughs> um, anyway, so that was a good evening. So yes. so today's episode, actually, um, our hot topic section is going to be a little bit shorter than usual mm-hmm. because we had a great 
conversation yeah. with, with Jessica Fernandez. Um, she was chair. She is chair of the Miami chapter of the Young Republicans. Right. Um, as you guys know, we try to be fair and balanced, but obviously we have a bit of a skew. I mean, the reality is a reality, and so we we think. Let's bring people on who can present a different side. Exactly. And she absolutely did. And, and she was extremely gracious and professional. Yeah. And, you know, we had a little bit of a we debate, fun, but actually, my, we had a blast with yeah. her. And, you know, the whole point wasn't for her to say something pro Trump or pro Republican be like, no. Right. This, isn't, was, this isn't crossfire. It was, it was on CNN. simply, you know, an exchange of ideas. And she was absolutely gracious, extremely professional, as I said. And our conversation went on as long, longer than we had anticipated. Yes, yes. But, you know, we don't want to edit anything out. We don't want to take anything out so we're going to give you the full you know blown conversation and you know even if you're not into politics or even if you know you're not a trump supporter and you're saying i don't want to listen to this interview of somebody who's a republican or a conservative you know what take a listen because she said a lot of things and this is the reason why i wanted to have somebody who's a republican a real republican on the show because i wanted i wanted to come straight from the horse's mouth this is what our party is about this is what we represent and you know not always politicians are the embodiment of a party it's the people who make make the party and she was great in explaining the real values of the republican party and and the conservative movement and you know again i i stress take a listen to the interview because it's you know it it was a great conversation that we had so um so what happened this week let's see other than um Paris burning. Paris is burning. <laughs> yes, and not not in a drag queen voguing house down. No, right no, 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 no drag no drag queens were burning no in the burning of Notre Dame. No drag queens were harmed in the burning of Notre Dame. But um, I mean, I think that was like the biggest news. Um, it definitely dominated. I mean, we're recording this on fake Friday. Fake Friday. But at this point, it's well. I mean, look, they had. You know, when you and I were talking about earlier about like mm-hmm. you, how you said that, you know, everybody was so, um, whether it was on social media or on the news, everybody was so moved about it. Look, they have American journalists in Paris, like from the Today Show and all the major news networks covering this. That's, right. that's how. They don't cover Venezuela, but go on. Well, but that is true, and we've called that out on the show before. Yeah. But, you know, that's for you to see the impact that right. that one thing has and i know you were saying that you were not as impact impacted i mean i never i've never been to paris uh, in all in all the full disclosure i've never been to paris so i can appreciate the sadness and the the impact of losing a monument of that nature but i don't i don't feel the same way that everybody seems to feel that's like you know i'm so heartbroken i, I was feel, i was very heartbroken. You know, i feel like i'm missing a part of myself and it's just like I mean, I get it. Well, I don't know if I'm missing a part of myself. I mean, I'm exaggerating because that's what social media does. But, you know, that whole spiel. I was definitely heartbroken and it it definitely uh, made me extremely sad. And and I thought about it all day. I even posted a picture on my own personal social media of me and the last time I was in Paris and Notre Dame. Um, I mean, it's just one of those things that... I mean, I know you haven't been to Paris, so you don't have a personal connection in terms of like a right. memory that you established there. But it's one of those things that, you know, it's it's a shame in terms of humanity that something like that be lost. And I know that they said that the damage is not, I mean, it, it's catastrophic, but it could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah. The whole thing could have. Yeah. And um, they were able to save a lot of artifacts. Our as artifacts. Well, which... So, so it, the church will continue to be there. The monument will. But I mean, it's one of those things that 
I don't know. Every time I, I go to a monument like that, especially in you know mm -hmm. Europe, obviously, right, right. which is where all these monuments that are hundreds of th not thousands of years old stand, right. you know, you look at it and it, you know, you you look at it from a sense of like immortality. This church okay. had been there close to nine hundred years. It went through like so many wars: the French Revolution, yeah. two world wars, Paris being taken over by the not. I mean, you name it, and like that structure went through went through it, and it's still. It was still standing there. What are you laughing at? I'm laughing because that's the same thing that you... That's the same way that you described the newspaper from the day of the Titanic before Nui ate it. <laughs> Your dog. <laughs> okay, so because you're laughing, I have to say this story. So this is this will be our comedy corner. Comedy is, corner yeah, of Pero sure. Let Me Tell You. So... I'm a big history buff. Uh, people that are close to me know this. Huge, huge history buff. And specifically, I'm into collecting newspapers. You've yes, seen my yes. newspaper collection. And I am also into the history of ocean liners. So as you could imagine... Titanic, uh, anyone? New York Times, Titanic, that is like up my alley. It's holy grail. So I had an original New York Times from April of 1912 from... <laughs> from the sinking of the titanic and this was years ago that this happened and i had it like i had it like this was like my baby it was it was, it was like it was, a display yeah, in my yeah. bookshelf in my library i had it in like a protective thing whatever but i don't know what happened i think somebody came over and i took it out right. and i showed it to, you know to them whomever and i mistakenly left the newspaper out and at that time my poodle uh, she ate the newspaper. And when I noticed that she ate the newspaper, obviously I was really upset, but I'm like, Coño, this newspaper survived the Great Depression, World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, you know, whatever did you want to throw at it. It did French not survive, survive the French poodle. No. The French poodle. No. She probably found the old ink and paper tasty. Maybe it was delicious. We don't maybe know. it was delicious. It was sweet maybe after a while. Maybe, yeah. You know? So, yeah, my, yeah. my, my so Titanic was, uh, did was, not survive the poodle. Yeah. You know. the sad times. Yeah. Sad times. But anyway... um. Actually, with the Notre Dame thing, what I wanted to bring up in specific, why I wanted to talk about it, not only because it happened um, this week, but because now, obviously, because this is such a, a you know important Historical. and iconic feature worldwide, not only to France, but worldwide, there's been a lot of monies coming in. And yes. I think that as of today, Fake Friday, they had collected over half a billion dollars. I think you're correct. And now, so now, of course, because what we say about social media, the great thing about social media is that it gave everybody a voice. The, the bad, bad thing, thing is, is that it gave, gave everybody, everybody a voice. Yeah. So now there's people out there saying, oh, world, world, fa you know, famine, yeah, homelessness. Had, this just goes to show that um, these people could have could have ended other things. Right. Why didn't you why didn't you use that money instead of building an old church? So what's your take on that? Because, you know, people always have something to say. So here's my thing. First and foremost, I think most of the people who say that are probably people who also don't give to charity or volunteer to begin with. Probably. So it's kind of, these are the same people who will voice an opinion about some type of policy. And it's like, oh, who'd you vote for? Oh, I don't vote. It's like, then shut the fuck up. Um, so that's my first opinion of that. I think it's the world we live in now where we've said this several times. This is why we can't have nice things. You know, as opposed to saying like, wow, you know, that's so great that that. Everybody feels moved to do this. It's not that people don't feel moved to end world hunger. Let's just use that as the example. But it's like, 
do you think LVMH is going to just drop like you know baguettes over Africa? Right. Like, and then, I mean, okay, so is- this is half a billion dollars. Let's say even if it's a billion dollars. So let's say they get everybody a meal. You get a meal. You get a meal. Right. You get a meal. So is that going to end world hunger? Do no. To, and then now they have to perpetually um, provide. That's not going to end world hunger. Right. Ending world hunger, it has to do with policy and, and exactly. agencies exactly. and governments and th- and awareness, obviously, and things like that. At the risk of sounding and, you like know, a parable. It's not about you know what is it? Give a man, give a man a fish. Heats for day, teach a man to fish. So maybe you know they could set up. You know, obviously not. You know, then then what's the point of like saying something like, oh, you know, when an athlete or let's say a celebrity uh, buys a multi million dollar home, well, why why can't they donate that money to charity instead of buying you know a twenty million dollar home? Why can't they buy a regular host home and then give the rest to charity? You know, there's so many people out there. Mira, la gente habla mucha mierda because most of those people, as we know, put them in that situation. Y son los primeros que van se compran el carro del año the 18 bedroom house they go on vacation and if it's in Miami they're going to be going to vacation three times a year to Cuba yeah somebody always has something to say so you know we really hope that uh, I mean they, they're, they're already plans in, in, in oh, store yeah, yeah, to, to restore the church I mean I remember seeing it burning and being like yeah this is, <laughs> this is not a question of if it's a question of like when, when is it going to start the restoration yeah. because that's an icon yeah. um, in 1992 Winter Castle a significant portion of it burned actually to the ground. Oh, really? Yeah, Windsor Castle. Was the Castle. trying to kill Diana the first time? No. <laughs> no, but it was actually a really bad time because that's right around the time that they actually, Diana and Charles, uh, either announced their separation or their divorce. Oh, okay. So it was a bad time for the queen. And it was restored, but... You know, it, it you have to take it with a grain of grain of sand or grain of salt. I don't uh, like salt. I don't like sand. Um, you know, obviously restoring it is great, but you know there'll always be a little bit. I, I, for like somebody like me, that's right. like very picky about historical subjects. It's like okay. Not for me. I'll be like, okay, ninety percent of it is authentic. Now that you know the roof is not real, but that's me being me. That's Ugh, me. You're being. being those people who complain about the donation. Yeah, but I'm not gonna complain about it. <laughs> Oye. Oíste que Madonna tiene una canción nueva con... con um, se fue para Medellín. Se fue para Medellín con Maluma. Con Maluma. I had so many M's. Se fue para Medellín con Maluma. Maduna, Ma- Madonna. Medellín con Maluma. Con Maluma. Oye, that's a tongue twister. Madonna se fue con, para Medellín con Maluma. Maluma. That's a tongue twister and it borders on a high Dime, dime, dime. Si, do you like Ma- Maluma? He doesn't bother me. I can't say I know his music too well, but he doesn't bother me. Oh, Maluma's a shit. He's so good. I mean, I know he's cute, but again, yeah, he's 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 great. And um, what I like about his his music is that it's reggaeton, which I'm not a huge fan of. But it's also you've kind come of, around on reggaeton, though. I have, um, but it's also he he actually can't sing, and right. he has he has he has some pretty good songs. Cinco contrato. I'm, I'm always playing that song. I feel every time you get in the car, it's like randomly comes up on my my iTunes or whatever. So. So I guess further down the line in a future episode, we'll have a more... Uh, we should talk more about our feelings because I think at this point, we still need to hear it a couple more times. Uh, yeah, because I listened to it. We both had the same reaction. We listened to it twice and I kind of forgot about it. Yeah, we're just like... I can't tell you how the song goes. I thought it was over and it still had like a minute left. Vite King sacó otro disco surprise. La Beyonce. Uh, oh yeah, you know she can't even let Madonna have her moment. Oh yeah, her live album. So Beyonce came up with another surprise album uh, live at Coachella. Yeah, last year, yeah. and it was with a Netflix yeah. documentary. Whatever. It um it has like thirty four tracks, which you 34? know thirty four. Yeah, because it's live. It has like every single live. Oh, okay, okay. She even did Bugaboo. Oh, I like that song. <laughs>
<laughs> I like Bugaboo. So, um, so yeah, that's that's our pop culture. That's corner. a pop culture moment. Yeah. So I guess so we're gonna we, turn yeah. the tables now and get serious. Yeah, we're gonna get serious for for a little bit now. So, um, enjoy our interview with Jessica Fernandez again. She was really fun. I mean, I, I have to say, like, I didn't we didn't know what to expect, mm-hmm. you know, because we never we didn't know her, know her. Um, you know, DJ had seen her on on TV. Uh, yeah, I've on seen some her on TV shows several times. And things like that, talking. Um, but we didn't know her. We didn't have a chance to meet her, so we were kind of meeting her sight unseen. Um, she really was. I didn't know what to expect from her one way or the other. But you know what? She was great. She was just very personable. I think she was very nice. Um, and she presented things in a way that is kind of what we strive to do, where we have our opinions and we're going to express it, but we don't want to be offensive. We mm-hmm. don't want to sound argumentative or combative mm-hmm. and i think that's so important especially nowadays dialogue conversations <sighs> what are that's what it's all speak? about you know remember the days when we could have when different we can opinions have different opinions and still like each other it's yeah. like oh what? that doesn't exist anymore no so. it's not a thing anymore so everybody enjoy the interview bye and welcome back listeners so as we as we promised you know you guys know we like to talk on occasion about politics on our show uh more dj than me i just kind of become the comic relief but that's just my lot in life but we always want to have great conversation and great conversation has to happen with discourse so in the spirit of that we have invited jessica fernandez who is the chair of the miami young republicans to join us today and i think i got your title right correct yes um and you know we're just gonna have a quick chat you know and hopefully what we really want to take away from this is that two people from opposing viewpoints can have a conversation. Remember a conversation? Remember when that was a thing we all had as opposed to yelling matches and Twitter yeah. Twitter wars and, you know, flame wars against each other. It's so that's that's the goal. So welcome Jessica and thank you for joining thank us. Thank you for coming on Pero Let Me Tell You. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about your background and um I mean, you're you're head of the Young Republicans in um Miami. Miami. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved in that. So sure. So as you guys know, my name is Jessica Fernandez, and I am uh, born and raised in Miami, uh, daughter of Cuban exiles. And that alone qualifies you to be on our show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, you know, I, I really came to uh, have my first experience with politics um, right after the uh, downing of the Brothers to the Rescue planes. Oh, yes. My father taking my, uh, my, my brothers and I to um, the march at Jose Marti Park. And I remember I was, I was in elementary school, and I remember really understanding for the first time the implications of, you know, what was happening in Cuba and in the United States, and why we were here, why my family was here, why I was born here, um, and I really kind of just piqued my interest. Um, I, I studied economics and international affairs, and somehow I ended up uh, working in campaigns, and I've worked in local and state government, and. Um, you know, I volunteer my time serving with the Miami Republicans. Um, I'm no longer the president, so I don't uh, get to dictate everything anymore. I got to do that for four years, which was awesome. Um, there's a new president now who kind of leads the direction, but I'm still very much involved and, you know, act more as, in an advisory position and, and help lift other young people up and get them involved and bring opportunities to them. And I've, I've gotten to do so many great things through that organization, not just um, organize on on purely ideological perspectives, but I've gotten to do events with, um, 
you know, the Cuban American community, the, the Venezuelan community, um, talking about issues of, of liberty and, and freedom, talking about issues that, you know, young people care about, like, um, um, being able to buy uh, housing and, and things like that, transportation. We did a, a beer summit, you know, when there was like the craft brewery, uh, you weren't allowed to buy growlers, for example, and just, you know, bringing uh, politics in a context that, that young people can care about right. um, and understand. Just get them more active, more politically, as you said, even if it's not ideological events, just because obviously that's a problem in our country now that young people don't want to be involved or aren't as involved. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of times um, the message is very confrontational. And what I really like about the organization and, you know, what we've helped to create is a community that where the ideas can be discussed. Right. So even though we represent the Republican spectrum of ideas on a panel on immigration, we'll have people of differing perspectives within that spectrum. And that's not something that you'll usually see in a lot of places. And, and we like to be a, a place for debate, uh, a place where people can come with curiosity and really feel like that's a, a place where they can learn about themselves. I mean, I've gotten to do so many great things. If I can share, um, I met a, a young uh, woman. Her name is Rosa Maria Paya. I don't know if you've heard about her, but she's the daughter of Oswaldo Paya. I would liken him to um, be the Martin Luther King of Cuba. He was probably the most recognized um, dissident in the past 30, 40 years in Cuba. He was murdered in 2012, and uh, his daughter took up his mantle and, and started this organization called Cuba Decide. I met her through the organization. I invited her to be part of a conversation at that time. Also, Carlos Vecchio, who's uh, participated at the time, was the number two in Voluntad Popular in Venezuela. He's now the ambassador to Venezuela under Guaido's government. Um, so and and I can tell you even more things that through through Coalescide, I got to participate last year in the Summit of the Americas in, in Lima, Peru, and got to organize a press conference between Rosa Maria and Pre uh, Vice President Pence at the embassy in Lima. So, you know, just being involved and putting yourself out there, you create your, for yourself and for your community opportunities to learn more about yourself and, and others. Now, now that you're talking about, you know, b before we get into like more heavy stuff, but now that you're talking about the community and being Cuban, you know, something that we've always talked about here and kind of in a joking matter, but it's true is how Cubans compared to other Latinos and Hispanics are very conservative when it comes down to politics and are generally or have generally been Republican. What would you link in that to? Why are we the more conservative ones or Republican, you know, voting uh, mass compared to other Latins or other Latinos? Well, I, f I think that many Cubans in Cuba were not conservative, right? They bought into and truly believed in the socialist revolution. You know, they were sold a, a particular set of promises that there would be equality, that there would be uh, everybody would live the same. And what we saw was something completely nefarious that happened. We had people's livelihoods taken away from them, people um, like my grandfather who was forced to flee because he was threatened um, with, a, with, you know, with a paredón yeah. for being involved uh, in the Sorry, Cuban... Sorry, the, the shooting squad, right? Yeah, a squadron, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, a uh, firing squad because of his involvement with the Catholic Church. You know, so you have a whole spectrum of people that have been 
persecuted and they they obviously reject that system when they come here and they see that you know when you have less involvement of government in your life that that can most times lead to a lot of prosperity mm -hmm. um where people can make decisions for their families on how to raise them what values they want to teach them, the education that they want to have, you know, a lot of fundamental choices. Yeah. It's funny because I, I talk about that here, or I, I have talked about it several times on the podcast. You talk about it all day long. <laughs> that my, my father's family were counter-revolutionists, so they really got a brunt of it during the whole revolution. And, you know, I've always, since I could remember, since I became a voting age, I had always considered myself more of a liberal, more of a Democrat. And... I find that the the you know the issues I've had with my family it's not so much on like ideology or like oh well you know you may think this and I think this it's like so rooted and fundamental and personal that that's why like what you just explained it, it, it goes far beyond whatever policy we're talking about or whatever is currently going on in at least in the United States government it's it's very personal because of what they went through and it's funny because growing up i you know obviously maybe i didn't see it that way but i'm like why are all cubans republicans <laughs> why why are we all so damn why are we so conservative all, all of us you know um and you know as you become older and you know history that's when it starts making sense yeah absolutely um it's, it is very interesting. And, you know, I think that especially like a first generation Americans um, of Cuban descent, you know, I think sometimes we do um, differ from our parents. For example, I've gotten a lot of, of flack. I mean, my parents are I do support some of my positions, but um, just saying, speaking generally in the Republican Party. You know, I'm a lot more liberal on social issues. Like, for example, I started this organization called Conservatives on the Right Side of Equality where we were lobbying the state government to make it illegal to fire anyone for being LGBT or T in the workplace, you know, because right. I think that's a conservative uh, mm -hmm. position that everybody should have the right to work, right? If you're qualified, if you do a good job, you should have the same right at a promotion or at a job position that somebody else has. It shouldn't be because of your who you are outside of work mm -hmm. that should dictate that. Mm -hmm. And what Actually, happens when people are not at work? They're collecting... Our tax dollars. I'm really glad you mentioned that because this is actually one of the areas I, I would like to open this conversation with. Because although I've always, as I said, I've always thought of myself as a Democrat and as a liberal, I've there, there are many things of the Republican Party or of the Republican ideology that I, I don't necessarily think are bad, you know, um, and we could discuss those in a moment. And I've seen what being a good Republican is, and I've seen what some of the, those ideals that are, I think, are good. I, I think now, and this is something I, I really would like for you to comment on, in the last few years, and even before Trump, I feel that the maybe from a PR perspective or from an optics perspective, the Republican Party has stood for the party that is not tolerant to gays, to many minorities, whether it's immigration, um, just intolerant. And, I, and I, I really don't think that that is the Republican Party. I don't know if maybe it's a loud minority that's making those statements. So what would you say to that, to people who, who automatically throw off the Republican Party as like this intolerant? Because what you, what you said you did, I mean, that's great. But I feel that that's not what most people nowadays, at least, think that is a Republican Party. So what would you say, you know, would you say it's a PR issue or just maybe what the media is focusing on, what maybe like the Tea Party or certain people had focused on? What would you say is a problem with that? Like, 
I mean, I don't think I can pinpoint to one, you know, thing and say that that's the one thing that's causing this problem, right? I mean, we're talking about two monolithic groups. We're talking about Republicans and Democrats. It's, you know, when you when you have such large amounts of people in, in two different groups, you're going to have yeah. bigots on each side. You're going to have people that have radical views on each side. So I think sometimes they just like to paint, oh, this one Republican, that means all Republicans are like this. Um, and I think that times are changing, you know, both – uh, you know, people are being more accepting of of LGBT individuals, for example, right? You know, before it wasn't acceptable in society to be openly gay. It wasn't. Um, but now it is. Now we have it's marriage equality is the law of the land. Yeah. Supreme Court ruled that, right? And um, it's, it's starting to be where people are comfortable being who they are. And I think uh, individualism is a core tenant, from my perspective, of of being a Republican, right? Individual rights, individual liberty. Right. And I think when we have more liberty, we have more economic prosperity. Right. Because that's what I tell people. I'm, I'm like, one of the main fundamental, like, basic, basic fundamental um, things with the, with the Republican ideology is the government staying out of your life, is that the federal government not meddle in, in your personal life. So sometimes when you hear certain people, whether it's politicians or pundits that are more conservative, make these like off-the-wall things, it's like I feel that that goes against what the basic, basic fundamentals of the party are. So that's why I, I wonder if in the last, like, I don't know, 10 years, if it's if it's like a PR thing. That... I do. I mean, look, we have, we have not just marriage equality you know we have individuals that are represented in our government our ambassador to to germany the united states ambassador richard grinnell is an openly gay man with a husband um so i mean i think times are really changing you know we have we have uh, i don't know if i can point to any um particular republican but i can tell you my organization the that i also belong to i'm executive director for the florida federation of young republicans mm -hmm. it's kind of like the the organization that manages or oversees the younger my my organization and for the past, the past couple of chairs have been openly gay men. So I think it is a perception issue. I, I think we, we have come to a, a, a different place in society where young people, you know, the millennials, the Generation Z, they don't see it as a big deal. And, and we're becoming a much larger voting block. And so we're going to see, you know, as boomers um, and, and other generations, you know, are no longer with us and, and their views are no longer representative of the ballot box, I think we're going to see a, a much more diverse opinion. Right. Do you think also that maybe social media has become, as I always say, Twitter is the devil, but, you know, it's become this presence where it makes bigger things out of things, out of subjects, out of certain topics than it probably would have been in the past. And actually, of course. I mean, I hate to keep harping on the LGBT thing because they're like, well, of course the gay guy's going to talk about LGBT. Um, but, you know, like the recent visit with Pence to Ireland where it was the openly gay prime minister or whatever. I forget the title of the Irish guy because I'm American and I can't be bothered to learn foreign politics. <laughs> um it became this whole thing where people were posting it as like, you know, yeah, show him and show him and show him. And it's like, I feel like otherwise it probably would have just been a blip of like, and Vice President Pence went to Ireland today and met with the prime minister in other news. Like in the past, it would have just become this, you know, well, the media topic, topic, it, topic, yeah. and then move on. Whereas now we've become so individualized in our consumption of media and so fragmented that I think it's... We, we assume that everybody, maybe, and I'm, this is me talking for myself, assume everybody feels this way because we become this echo chamber of ourselves. 
do you feel like that's becoming a bigger case from your perspective? I mean, because you're, we can say it from our, from where we sit, but you're in the trenches, as oh, it were. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I absolutely think you're right. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we have, you know, in the social media age is to make sure that we're not living in silos, right? And, and only surrounding ourselves with people that agree with our opinion because, you know, one sword sharpens the other. I mean, yes, I'm Republican, but I recognize the value of having Democrats in, in to, you know, when you have Democrats in power, you need Republicans to check their power. When you have Republicans in power, you need Democrats to check their power. I mean, that's just what's made our country great and was made it successful. Um, and, and that's kind of one of the dynamics that I've seen that has changed is that before we would argue about something, but then we're still American. Now it's like you want to vanquish and right. destroy your opponent. Right. And I and I just it's I like don't Game understand of Thrones that. Over here. Yes, yeah. it's like <laughs> calm down. There is really no dragons here. Um, so I, I I do think that you know maybe in like 10, 20 years we're gonna realize that you know we invested trillions of dollars to come up with social media and find new ways to fight with each other and you know puppy filters you know and we didn't really solve any uh we didn't get, we didn't get to the moon faster i don't know yeah so but, but we look like puppies that's we the important do. part that's and i and i look part. even like prettier i have like sparkly <laughs> that eyes big mouth filter yes. yeah of course so let's talk about trump <laughs> uh, trump um because i mean trump the whole trump administration is it's every day. It's something new. It's like a roller coaster, right? It's like the best reality show ever, in a way. Um, and I often think, okay, eight years of Obama, and then we got, we got the the complete opposite. Whether you agree with him or not, the complete opposite. And I, you know, it, although the election was two and a half years, or well, yeah, well, almost three years ago, um, you think of like the perfect storm. All these Republican seasoned Republic candidates that he knocked down one by one. It still amazes me today. What would you say got him elected? Because it's something that like people that know anything about politics, well, well, all politicians got it wrong. All pundits got it wrong. They never saw him winning. They never took him seriously. They didn't think he was going to um, get the nomination. Get, get, well, not even get the nomination. I, I, in the early days, they weren't even putting him, they weren't even taking polls of Trump. They were taking polls of other Republican candidates that had already announced or, you know, that they were running for president. What would you say what, that was a perfect storm that led him to being elected? I mean, there was a, a confluence of, of different things happening in the American psyche at the time, right? Um, in addition to uh, these politicians that were all, the, the 17 candidates or 16 candidates that were running against Trump, they never changed tactics. He, this, this, this guy disrupted the the entire primary process in a way that we've never seen before and nobody had an appropriate response to be able to match you know not just his intensity but his message and let's face it he he is the first uh politician to master social media and the guy's in his 70s which is incredible right he has a shrewd sense of of getting a message out whether it's completely 100 percent true or not, he knows how to get the message out. And the fact that he didn't have to re rely on the 6 o'clock news, the 11 o'clock news, to get his message out, he was going directly to the people. Anytime he wanted to make a message, he could connect on Twitter and send out his tweet, and he could people respond to him, and sometimes he responds back. That's a very, very powerful 
unknown unknown that we didn't realize, right? Like when I worked on the Romney campaign, for example, we were banned from so, from using Facebook and Twitter. We were told to really? get off of it. And that was just the 20, campaign oh my God, manager. That was only in 2012. <laughs> the yeah. campaign manager for the Romney campaign didn't even have a Twitter account. That's when I knew we were not in, in were good shape. Yeah, because they didn't see. Yes, there's a lot of risk involved, as we can see with, with our president. Um, and some of the things that he said and, and inciting, you know, emotion and, and anger uh, in some people. But I would say as well, it's, it's been able to communicate directly with the people. I think it was a, is a number one uh, factor. And they gave him billions of dollars of free press. Yeah. Media did. They thought he was a joke. And all they did was put him on TV all day. He hosted Saturday Night Live. As yes. part of, as part of, and he his, did like the Kanye video, remember? Yeah, yeah, like as part of the whole, you know, getting the nomination, he hosted a Saturday Night Live. Like, and that's that's kind of been like a tradition, though. But I'm saying, but that's free press. To your point, where it's like, you know, I mean, we never had Obama guest host an entire Saturday Night Live when he got the nomination. We never had Bush. We never either Bush for that matter. So to your point, no, you know, but they just they the, the free press he got is is. No, it, there's no precedent, unprecedented. That's what the media said, look how unserious this guy is. But then they gave him unprecedented amount of, of press. I mean, I thought if CNN became the Trump channel during 20, 2015, 2016, it was unbelievable. You can never turn on mm-hmm. any channel and it not be about Trump all the time on any channel. I mean, it was incredible. And and I do this for a living. I work in politics. And it was it was obsessive. It was weird. And, you know, they almost made him an enemy and like the underdog and so people were like no no no. this guy's talking about us he's talking about the people that the forgotten people the jobs that are not coming back you know you know it's it's almost like us on the coast on the west coast on the east coast we're not really in tune of really what's happening in the interior of the country right their problems you know they're they're going through major opioid crisis as where do you think all the major opioids crisis is happening it's happening in all these cities where manufacturing has gone right you have all these white, working-age males that are without a job. It's a new crack epidemic, but for white people. And, and um, nobody's really been paying attention to them, and, and they felt like he answered. He, it was a voice for them. But what, you know, policy aside, because I've seen in the past, you know, because, again, like you, I, I'm, well, I don't do politics for a living, but I, I've always been very into politics. And I've seen very qualified candidates on both sides up for whatever position, have a, a scandal break, and they're done. Po- again, policy aside. And with him, it was one after another. Honestly, you know, for me, uh, you know, of everything that he did, you know, even the Access Hollywood tape and all that, to me, one of the things that he did was just – that when it happened, I'm like, okay, this is it. Was the whole thing with a reporter when he made fun of the handicapped reporter? Because I'm like, you know, disabled people. Something that here in the United States we really respect disabled people. And I was like, okay, this is this is this is the one thing that people are are gonna respond to, and people didn't. Like, what would you say that? What do they call him? Presidente de Flon. Like <laughs> he's made out of Teflon. That he was able to deflect everything and still win because again. People in the past that were way more experienced than him, one thing and they're done. One affair and they're yeah, yeah, done. Yeah. And and he just slid past everybody else. 
Look, I mean, I don't know if I can explain it right. Like, this, 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 our president. That's why we have you on to explain everything. This, this president <laughs> has un, un, unheard of amounts of confidence, right? And and he people huge, feel big, yeah, huge, huge. <laughs> but at the same time, people feel like if he's like he's he's also going to fight that way for them, mm-hmm. right? He's a fighter. And people value that. They're like, this guy's going to go and defend us. We've had our name go through the dumps, and nobody wants it. When you travel abroad to Europe, you don't even want to say you're American because they're going to treat you bad. People wanted to feel proud to be American again. And and I think that he kind of gave that feeling like he's going to fight for you. Mm-hmm. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I think that that's a, the no, pretty... let me let me ask you because this this begs a question. This is something that has come up a lot. Um, do you think though that he also? I don't know if the right word is awakened, but he also kind of made it less taboo. Let's say in terms of racism, because racism is something that you know with him at least it has to at least come up for discussion. You know whether it was um, you know the, the things that happened in Charlottesville. Uh, how you know how he responded or d- didn't respond to how you know he criticized the um, the Colin uh, Kirkpatrick. Um, I just messed up his name for t- taking the knee. You know uh, all of that. You know people seem to be people that are racist. At least <laughs> P- people seem to be a lot more like, yeah, I'm racist. He whatever you know, and he hasn't called it out as other presidents have. What would you say to that? Because for me, that's like a major. I would disagree with you. And and when we're talking about the reporter and the and the the shaking yeah. and 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 other things, if you if you really and I thought that he was making fun of the of the, of the reporter too. When I when you go back and you gotta that's the thing is like we have to do our own research and it takes time and it takes hours to get to the bottom of things, but there is really a media manipulation that's going on when you only show a clip and you don't show how this person he's done that gesture a million times. I'm not saying it's correct. I probably, if I'm his advisor, I would tell him, don't do that. Don't tweet that, right? Because it gives me anxiety, right? Like, that's not the way I operate. And and I'm not here to defend him. I don't get paid by him to, like, yeah. you know, explain his actions. He's a grown man. He does a pretty good job of holding his own, I would say. Um, but I think, you know, to be fair, there's a lot of manipulation of, of the clips that get put out, and it's not in a full context. And, you know, even even sometimes I get duped. Uh, you know, if I don't dig and and see and, and and want the truth, right? You know, we we get very complacent that you know because it's NBC that they're gonna get it right, because it's ABC, because it's CNN, because it's Fox News, because it's whatever that they're gonna get it right. And, and we've seen many times through this guy's ascent 
that they've had to retract their statements. This guy has survived over two years being accused of being a Russian spy, of being an agent of foreign influence. I mean, can you imagine if, if we did that to Obama? The Republicans no, accused Obama of being that is, an agent That is the one thing, uh, that is one of the few things that, that I, I, I remember when that, I think it was the FBI that said that they were going to look into him being a, a Russian spy. I, I, I remember we yeah, talked about this. I'm like, yeah. you better have a shitload amount of demonstrative evidence to make this allegation because this is a, I mean, this, this is a huge, huge. And what is I said? That's not even something you've seen in like a movie. No, exactly. <laughs> that's in the, you know, the, the I, that mystery writer Tom Clancy. Tom, thank you. I'm like that's Tom Clancy shit. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if let me just put it on the record here. If Trump's a Russian agent, like that guy needs to go to jail for treason and and probably worse punishments, <laughs> everything, right? Everything. But if exactly as you said, you know, I I think. Just putting that out there without any demonstrable evidence already makes people that don't like him hate him and, and makes it like this guy is against us. Look at this guy. He's a foreign agent and look what he's doing and he's causing all this. So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's like half-truths and it, it plays on our emotions. My, my biggest problem with him, and, and I've said it here many times, we can argue policy all day long until the cows come home. Policy's policy. You're going to see it one way. I'm going to see it another. And, you know... That's what it should be on. We should be able to sit down and say, this is my thought on immigration. This is your thought on immigration. My problem is that how he makes everything sound and extreme and the words that he uses. And I understand why he gets it because he's had a base that has grown and the base keeps supporting it. So I understand from a... If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I understand why his people and why he's going to keep doing what he's doing because somehow it worked. But I just think it, it, it for me... It, it, it brings down the legitimacy and the respectfulness of the presidency of the United States because he behaves in a way and he says things that it's like, you know, we, Trump, we shouldn't be talking about this. We should be talking about what's going on in, you know, again, policy, the economy, whatever. Let's talk about that. And I find that a lot of times, you know, and, and the media, again, maybe part to blame. We're talking about what he said that was insensitive or what he said that, you know, offended people. And it's like the behavior is what really 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 bothers me i mean the behavior can bother you but this is the president that actually called out the problem of immigration in this country which has been unfettered for over 30 years okay let's yeah and, let's talk about immigration and for example i'm a child of, of immigrants this country i'm proud to be a child of immigrants i don't hide that ever right and and i've met so many immigrants of all backgrounds chinese vietnamese jamaican haitian in this community that make this community better, that make this community vibrant, that make this community economically viable, right? But one of the reasons why we all came to this country because the rule of law exists here, right? We came here, and, and many Cuban families had to wait many years, mm -hmm. 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. My mom has a half-brother that she hasn't seen since she left Cuba when she was about eight or nine years old, okay? Jesus. And she's in, I don't want to say how old she is because it's going to be a very No, that's sad. a, no, no, that's no, a no, reality. But, don't give your mother's but, age away. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I need her happy. <laughs> Lady never me. does. Um, but... You know, the, the pain and separation of families is painful, but it doesn't negate the fact that we have rules here. And and one of the makes, things that makes our country great is that you know that you come here and the rules are the rules. And if you break them, you're going to get you're going to get punished for them. That's what makes America work. Um, so fundamentally, you have people that are that 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 come here and are defending. And, and we have our own politicians that are defending this type of, of movement of people. Right. We can't have we can't have free trade. We can't have um, 
the the movement of goods and then the unfettered uh, movement of people it kind of breaks the, the our social contract right and um we've been promised by both republicans and democrats for decades that they're gonna get immigration under control we don't know who's here we don't know when people's visas have expired. You know, they haven't gotten a, 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 a report to Congress on the fixing the visa expiration problem since like the 90s. Um, and, yeah. and I think that we need to we need to fundamentally change it. So I think, you know, some people might disagree with the strategy of putting up a wall. But I mean, people put up doors and walls to protect their own homes and, and businesses. And that is a, a, a physical way of being able to separate places i mean mexico has a border on their southern wall i mean china has the great wall of china right um that really helped them kind of keep out foreign invaders that that would be so expensive because the the thing with the wall i mean i get it for a border wall i I don't think the border wall is going to fix every immigration issue no and i see it more as something tangible that he could say i told you i was going to give you a wall here's the wall um my problem is not even so much with the wall itself, although the funding of the wall is something we could get into at another point. <laughs> um, yeah, because, I mean, he did say Mexico was going to pay for the wall. I mean, he did harp on that over and over again. Pero bueno. Um, in terms of the wall, I, I, again, it's the scare tactics, the, the part where... But is it, though? Is it really a scare tactic when you see how many um, millions of... of immigrants are coming here how many people are being human trafficked how much drugs is being brought into this country those are and, all true but that's not Americans? the ma- but that's not the majority and the way I that he makes with it you. if you the, look at the amount of women and children coming to this country illegally the statistics has it over 60% of them are raped 60 over 60% of them are sexually assaulted over 60% of them have major problems that happen in their journey and i think that that is a human rights issue you know no it certainly is it certainly is i mean i had um i had um relatives of mine who are cuban who came in through mexico and they tell me their story (laughs) they tell me their story like one of them is she's in her early 20s and she came like three or four years ago and obviously this was before they changed the cuban adjustment act and she told me how the coyote Coyote, took her to the border and said run because if you get to the other side because she's cuban she's good she's She's good obviously if she wasn't cuban it'd be a whole different story but you know not the majority of immigrants that come in are not rapists are not um, i'm not suggesting that they are but i'm suggesting that it is important if you want to be here and present yourself and and be in our society and, and participate in our society you should do the things necessary to 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 do that openly to do that correctly to do that in a way that's under the law that's transparent right we shouldn't have people because then you have immigrants i I know you read the stories as as well as i do immigrants that that work here they're here illegally they get robbed and assaulted because they have cash all the time on paydays they get robbed murdered assaulted because they know that they're vulnerable they don't report crimes when things happen to them they don't report them so it's a, it creates a whole dangerous situation for everybody. But see, but that's where I go back to the whole thing of the policy. You know, we could talk about that policy and agree somewhere in the middle. But the, the, the biggest problem with him, again, goes back to the optics, the way that he sells it sometime to his base. You know, and again, the rapists Basically, and murders and all that. Of things like, you know, oh, these, you know, these bad hombres. And that's all he focuses on. You know what I mean? It's, it's taking that angle because then what and not what, saying what, it's X yeah, percent. What, listen. what bothers me is that you you are a rational person and you could see beyond that you could see the policy of of it but you know that a lot of people 
don't. A lot of people, they I'm just don't. Uh, they, they don't. They see it as like, oh, East Freaka and Latinos are, or Mexican, because, you know, everybody south of the U.S. is Mexican. Yeah, we're Mexican. Uh, uh, they're coming here and they're, rah, 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 and they're, you know, raping people and drugs and this and that, which obviously there is a truth to that, like there is to any, any population that certain people come in that are not a nuisance to society. But again, it's the selling point and the rhetoric that he uses that I think it is dangerous because then that's what a lot of people do that. And a lot of people that don't know Latins. And and that's when, it, remember I was telling you before we started speaking that I was in the Midwest. I'll tell you this little story. I had a friend of mine who I went to law school with that she was from a very, very small town you know, you know this story uh, from a very After small town years, of course, I know this story. <laughs> in, um, in Ohio. She had not spoken to a black person until she got to college. And I'm like, how is that possible? <laughs> me, me thinking Miami, big city, cosmopolitan, you know, mind. I'm like, how is that possible? How is that possible? Like you, you had never spoken to like a black person. She's like, no, because she lived in a really small mining town. Fast forward a few years, she gets married. She got she wanted to get married in the same church as her parents did. She had moved on to Baltimore. And I went to that little mining town and I'm like, I get it. I get it. Because her parents were very, you know, she didn't have a lot of money growing up. So she didn't go vacation. So she spent all of her life there. I'm like, okay, I get it. There's like a population of like 1,200 people here. There's one traffic light, one McDonald's. If you don't leave that little valley, that is your truth. So I often think somebody who lives there who doesn't know somebody who's Hispanic, somebody who's black, somebody who's gay, some whatever minority, pick your minority, hears this rhetoric coming from the president or any politician, and that is what scares me because I think this is what this person is going to think now of a group of people, especially if it's coming from somebody as high up as the president or a government official. So that is my biggest concern, even aside from the policy argument of it. No, and look, you 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 bring up some valid points. I think, you know, we have to we have to balance everything, right? Like we know that immigration lifts up our country, right? We know that a certain controlled amount of immigration is good for the economy, and um, it's it's obviously a very difficult situation because we're not just talking about widgets; we're talking about human beings, right? Yeah. And so it is an emotional topic. But I fundamentally disagree that anybody who wants to come here has a right to come here. I don't believe that. I think that no other country, I don't believe it, it's a fact, there's no other country that has such an open policy to accept people as the American, the United States of America does. You can't go to Canada and immigrate there from Mexico. Do you think they're going to just let you do that? Do you think you can go to the, the UK? Um, I, let me just tell you a little story. I went to the UK and I didn't have the address on me for the hotel I was going to stay at. I had a um, family that was coming in another flight. They were like, oh, well, we're not going to let you in because you don't even know what hotel you're staying at. And I have an American passport. I'm an American yeah. citizen. And then we're going to let me in. Our biggest ally, all right. Um, <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is there's, there's rules for immigration. There's rules for being in, in foreign countries, right? And and we need to realize that though we have the right to ask for those to be respected. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. And um, I think we have to take a look and reevaluate and actually take actions, whether it's mi- – building some parts that deserve to have a wall, right? Where it makes sense and, or controlling immigration other ways, you know, prioritizing people that have certain skill sets uh, to come here. Yeah, the skill set exemption. Um, I mean, I, I will say, I, I mean, I agree with you, like, and I think it's, I, I plead ignorance in terms of, you know, what the policy is and what the processes are, but I 
do agree with you that there's, you know, everybody should have the opportunity to apply to come yeah. here. And I have massive issues, you know, when you've got, and I said this on the, on the show, when you've got like that caravan that was coming, where, como digo yo, it's just like, bueno, aquí venimos a Pepe Cojone and vamos a entrar whether you like it or not. I'm like, wait a minute, because now we're not even talking about like a family that's suffering and is, you know, under the guise of night, you know, slipping into the country for the better of their children. Like, I can get behind that storyline you know what i mean but when we're talking about a caravan of people who are just like you know what we're coming through stop us prove it at that point i kind of almost have to take the stand of like you know what we're gonna prove it yeah we're gonna prove it because i don't i don't believe on both sides the way that i don't believe that you need to take a hard stance but i also don't believe that you need to show you know in a situation like that i mean i'll respond to that and obviously you'll response to that as well um i think that was all a little bit of what we're talking about i think that was some people in that caravan that were maybe like the loud minority or or there were a percentage of people that had kind of that gutsy like you're going to let me into the US one way or another which obviously yes that's that's not the selling point I would use if I was in a caravan trying to immigrate to the United States in an asylum case Um, that's not the shtick I would go with Um, and I definitely think there were a lot there were some people who that was their their voice but I mean a lot of people if not most people were people that were running from crime and violence and things like that that you know wanted to seek asylum and but asylum why can't is it, the but process. why can't they apply for asylum in their country right like everybody the United States cannot be um, the place where everybody goes because their economy sucks because they're getting beaten by their husband because they got raped. I mean, I we, how can we can we just take everybody? It's not possible, right? That's why we have rules. That's why we have ways to do things. Interesting, right? So Trump is putting all these rhetoric and policies in place and trying to tighten up um, the flow, the legal flow from the border. What does Mexico do? Mexico is investing billions of dollars in foreign direct investments to its southern neighbors. Why? Because when you have economies south of you, they're doing better. People are not going to move and, and travel. And, and Mexico is taking it seriously now because they're stopping them at the border. Mm-hmm. Before, they would just go through Mexico. So it wasn't Mexico's problem. They were just there, mm-hmm. just going through. Right. And it wasn't a Mexican problem. But now it's becoming Mexico's problem. And Mexico's like, oh, well, we got to do something about this. Right. We got to do something about this. Uh, we can't have all these people from other countries just because they have problems in their country come here. You know, we have to empower people to to solve their problems at home, to strengthen their positions at home, right? Look at look at this Syrian problem, migration problem, Syrian refugee problem. It's a mass humanitarian issue on, on the other continent. It's enormous, um, the, probably the biggest of our, at least, well, hopefully, the biggest of our generation. It's, I cried over that. Yeah, it's 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 a devastating human problem, right? And, you know, aren't Syrians better off being in Syria? than they are being in another place where they have to relearn the culture, uproot their life, be well. Uh, there uh, I would well, but there up. I would disagree with you because I mean the way that Syria is now, I, I mean because Syria now, is a now, is a war zone. Well, in a perfect world, is Syria was. Uh, but I think what she's suggesting is similar to what she was saying about Mexico that they've invested in those southern countries. If we if we take the moment to step back and say, okay, as opposed to building a wall necessarily, we. Help right, and, right, but, but but I think the problem with Syria, I mean, Syria is in a war, a war zone, so it's not even an issue right now of e- economy or jobs or infrastructure. It's it's a, it's a practical war zone. So some um, people would say that about what's happening in Mexico and in other places in 
to the south of us. It is. I mean, you have a large part of the of Mexico that's literally controlled by drug cartels. I mean, we had testimony from people in that El Chapo case um, where where he alleges that Enrique Peña Nieto took hundreds of millions of dollars in bribes. I mean. Now that he left office, shit is coming out. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, and. and president of Mexico. Um, Former president of Mexico. Former president of Mexico. Uh, No, it's Angelica Rivera, the soap opera star. Yeah, which they're getting divorced now. (laughs) So here's a little bit of uh, pop culture. So it's just it's just a very interesting. Situation. Listen, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not for open borders. I I believe there has to be a process, but I believe in the process because I think. I think as actually a son of immigrants and people that had to flee a dictatorship and flee, you know, an area. Did, you come, did your family come here legally? My family came here legally. Because pe- most people think that the, the Cuban Adjustment Act always existed. That's yeah. not accurate. My family didn't come through those no. things. We didn't get food stamps. My, we didn't get housing. My Actually, my family has an interesting story. Um, my Because my father's family were counter-revolutionists and they were on the hit list, my my dad's mom, my grandmother, my grandfather, and my dad's youngest brother, who was a child at that moment, were able to leave Cuba on humanitarian bases. The rest of them couldn't because they were of military age. And when my grandmother got here in the 60s, she lobbied to – she went to Washington and lobbied senators, including Claude Pepper, and she brought each one of her kids and their families – through uh, humanitarian visas. How am I just hearing the story? Yeah. Yeah. That was a badass. Yeah, my grandmother was a total badass. And she brought, it, it was six kids and their wives and their kids and all that. And I fell in that because I was actually born in Cuba. I came when I was nine months old. Um, yeah. She brought every single one of them. My, fam- my parents were the last in the last group to come. Um, so, yes, I understand that there is a process. There is a process, and there should be a process because it shouldn't be like, hey, everybody, come in, you know? Um, I mean, even back in the days of Ellis Island, there was, you know, when other, there was this mass migration from Europe coming into the United States from the early 1900s up to the 50s, you know, there was a process at Ellis Island. So, I believe in the process. Again, my problem is the, the selling points. It's like you, you're saying these things that could be very destructive because there's people who that this is what they believe i know but we have to also like facts don't care about people's feelings right like we're having a massive migratory problem and and like i'm just prove that to you by by the reports about the the the, the detention camp for children uh, the, you know the holding facility down in mm-hmm. homestead it's maxed out they have to make it bigger mm-hmm. so you have parents that are allowing their children their minor children to come to america alone many times getting assaulted human trafficked Forced to carry drugs, and then they get locked up. Is that responsible? Well, we did that with the Pedro Bang flight. No, I'm sorry. That was through the Catholic was Church, and it was very organized, and it was with the blessing of the American government. Mm. Like, so let's be f- clear. And then I want to back up on one point. When our families came here before the Cuban Adjustment Act, we had to have somebody sign and say that they were financially responsible. Yeah, sponsor you. Okay, so if you got into any legal trouble, you crashed your car and caused damage— you had to pay for those people. Remember when my ex wanted me to sign that paper for his mother? Yes. <laughs> Locuras, right? And at the time, it was, and, and at the time we weren't okay. together the, 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 either. What I'm trying to say is, is that coming to this country was a privilege, and why it was it, why it's so valued is because it's hard. Mm-hmm. Because if it was supposed to be easy, then it would it wouldn't be so great. Okay, but let me but let me ask you this though. In ter- in terms of again back to optics and the PR problem that the PR problem that I see with Trump, Obama 
and you know, I may throw Obama under the bus here, although I, I liked Obama and I voted for Obama. Obama was called, I'm sure you know this, deporter in chief. Yeah. Because Obama deported a, a lot of people. Shitload of people under his tenure. But that wasn't something that you heard about a lot because it wasn't covered a lot, in part because it wasn't really at issue at that moment. And the whole thing with the kids being separated with under the Flores Act, there were children who were separated under the Obama administration. It was a small amount, but there were children who were but that's why i bring it back to the pr move i think that if he wouldn't be how he is in terms of the things that he says we could be having the discussion on a national level would be like the discussion you and i are having now policy not the inhumanity that he proposes sometimes with with that because those those pictures of the children with cages i know that those pictures are probably only show a part of it i i know that i know that but nonetheless it's something that was going a lot happened at a time that he was spewing out this rhetoric about immigrants i don't so. think anybody thinks it's a nice thing to think about that children living in these kind of conditions right but you know being the united states of america we're actually you know taking care of them and clothing them and feeding them. They're not in the most ideal situations, not sleepaway camp, right? But do you think that they would get be treated better in Mexico? Do you think that they would be treated better in in another country, in our hemisphere? Yeah, but the, 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 the I, thing I'm of, being, of... I'm being serious, though. I'm being serious. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to make it okay. But what I'm, tr I'm suggesting is that, you know... We have the the the, the but just because can't but, move, right? right? But just because they wouldn't be treated better in another country doesn't mean that they should be treated a certain treated, way here. I don't think that they're being treated in a way that is inconsistent with how we we would treat people that are not supposed to. And be if here. in fact they were put in cages, and notice that I'm 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 leaving that in the open because I wasn't there, so I'm not going to be like I saw the children in cages in a kennel, you know, like. But, and if in fact that was done. You know, it's not, it's not nice, right? But then you have Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Congresswoman from from the state of Florida, from this from this area. You know, that represents some people in in Miami Dade County, and she said this week that if an adult illegal immigrant comes to this country with a minor illegal immigrant, that they should be allowed to stay together. What do you think that that does? No, that opens that's a floodgates issue. So, so we're incentivizing behavior that we don't want. By the policies that we set, right? So that's my fundamental issue. And, and Trump, Trump is not. Trump didn't study politics. Trump didn't study PR. Trump, <laughs> Trump was the apprentice guy, right? Trump was like Mr. Flashy, real estate, New York guy that says crazy things. That's who he is. We're not going to change him. And the things that he says has brought attention, whether positive attention or <laughs> negative attention. It's attention. That's what he wants. And we're talking about immigration, and we haven't really, in a serious way. Okay, um, let me let me ask you, as a Republican, yeah. not a Trump supporter, as a Republican, what would you see as sensible immigration reform? We need to stop. We need, we need to literally put a pause on immigration for a minute, and and fix the border. We need to we need to know who's here. We need to. Um, I I don't want. I'm I'm not in favor of necessarily uh for a path to citizenship for people that are here illegally um i i, I do have some um I, I do have a lot of empathy and sympathy for for children uh who were brought here by their parents 
and didn't even know that they that yeah. they were illegal we, until we they actually, went to college, right? They just started applying to college, and they didn't realize that they were an American citizens because yeah. they were such little kids. Whole life. We yeah. actually have the you know whole thing with DACA. You know, when it hits home, it you see it from a different perspective. We actually have a very good friend of ours that um, that Sucks. he's from Honduras, and he's been here since he was nine years old. And he, you know, and he actually did get married on with an American citizen legitimately. Yeah. And now, you know, for years they were asking for a waiver, and now he was finally able to get that fixed. But it took, it took moving an army. <laughs> like they had to move mountains to get that fixed. And I remember thinking, like, shit, you know, can you imagine if somebody like that gets deported? You know, especially he's from Honduras. It's like that kid wouldn't last a day in Honduras. I mean, how things are in Honduras, and because he was, he was, he came here was eight, nine years old. Look, I mean, I think it's it's just, it's a really hard issue, right, to solve, and like nobody's been able to solve it. I don't think we're going to solve it today, but um, maybe, maybe we will. <laughs> but I, I think that we have to be, you know, we have to have like basic parameters of like the conversation. Like, there should be a process. It shouldn't be open borders in the state of New York. I mean, this is crazy. You have the legislature of New York pass a bill that says that they're going to provide free college tuition for illegal immigrants. They voted against. Providing free college tuition for children of gold families, the uh, military. Yeah. So we're prioritizing. It's almost like why don't Did I think sometimes? Yeah, um, yes, the, the gold star uh, college tuition in New York failed. But did the other one pass? Yes. Okay. Yes. So what I'm saying is, is that you have this 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 situation in, in the bi-coastal areas, you know, the east and the west coast, New York, L.A., Miami, even where we have a very distorted perspective of things. We we live in port. Um, cities, uh, massive amounts of immigrants, um, and so we th- see things differently. So I don't think that he's trying to get more of our those votes. Like, there's only so many mm-hmm. that he's going to capture. He's not going to change their mind. Right. So he needs to build up his base, and, and this message of controlling immigration is that jobs are now— and this is 100% true. I'm not making this up. In Miami, you know that we make less money for the same job that we do the people in Chicago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Why do you think Infinitely. that that is? Because there's people that are willing to do the job without papers for cheaper than us in a lot of professions. I've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it. Mm -hmm. And so it drives down wages. And who does this hurt the most? This hurts the most um, other legal immigrants. It hurts Hispanics and it hurts African-Americans in this country the most, this illegal immigration. And that's what's something that we don't realize sometimes as Hispanics. and, 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 you know, we don't realize that this is actually hurting us. By having this unfettered, uncontrolled immigration, it's actually hurting us in our pocketbook. We need to be smart about it. Okay. Well, I mean, we could be on immigration all day long. What else do you want to talk about? No, no, no. <laughs> actually, you know what I was going to tell you? That um, it might surprise you, the you in. that as a, as, a, as a liberal, I am very for the Electoral College. Yeah, I mean, it's... Because it right now, sense. people are like, get rid of the Electoral College, do it a popular vote. And I'm like, yeah, if we if we did a popular vote, candidates on both sides would only go um, can, yeah, to campaign New, to, to New, York New York, Chicago, and, and LA, Texas, California, right. here, and that's it. And Texas, and that's it. Done. Middle America, good luck. <laughs> good luck. So anyway, what do you see now... Um, 2020, I can't believe 2020 is almost here. That's kind of, we're still talking about 2016 and Trump's 2020. Win again, guys. <laughs> Listen, you know who I'm a huge fan of? Me. Megan McCain. Oh my God. I am. I like Megan McCain a, a lot. Um, I watched The View. I like Megan McCain because she 
what well, you said at the beginning, she's socially liberal. Um, obviously, she's a conservative when it comes down, especially fiscal and, and other matters. But she's a social liberal. And, and obviously, that's my first kind of tier. Mm-hmm. But um, she said something, which I, I would lo- love for you to tune in on, that um, you know now there's this whole sea of... Um, uh, well, it's, it's the same as what happened in 2016. Well, but the, no, no, like but infinite amount of people. But there's this whole sea right now of um, Democrats that are getting in the in the field, and a lot of them are leaning really left, kind of like a complete, you know, antithesis of Trump. And she keeps saying it. She keeps saying it. She's like, I can't believe I'm giving advice to the Democrats. Do you want a candidate that's going to beat Trump? Because, you know, she hates Trump for obvious reasons. Do you um, want a candidate that's going to beat Trump? Or do you want a candidate that's going to go by every single one of your issues and is not going to beat Trump? So what's what's your take on that? Because a lot of these people are, are... are pretty progressive. I mean, like very, very progressive, in terms of like the more moder- moderate, democratic, 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 liberal ideology. Look, I mean, I I think it's very scary what's happening um, in the Democrat Party right now. Um, I think that there's many Democrat points of view that you know, like I like I said, I share. Um, I I'm very afraid if we get a situation in this country where we have a Democrat socialist. Like AOC. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's rooted in truth. It's rooted in envy. It's rooted in wanting something that other people have, that kind of mentality. And I think that's a very dangerous way of thinking that you have a right to somebody else's work product. You have the right to somebody else's fruits of their labor. Um, which is essentially a lot of what DSA is talking about. You know, they want to socialize and have government control every aspect of production. And have the government own everything and decide education and decide everything for you. And I think that's very scary um, for most Americans. And, and, and having that historical knowledge of as a Cuban American, it frightens me. Uh, and it frightens me because I don't think that children are being taught truly what socialism and communism truly is. I mean, we always point to, oh, well, look at Europe and look at like, look at like Sweden and Denmark. No, my friends, that is not socialism. That is not socialism. The government doesn't own all the means of production in in, in those countries. Um, so I, I think um, they're doing themselves a big disservice. I thought, I thought that there was a lot of – I thought that there was truly going to be a big challenge to Trump in 2020. But the, with the economy going the way it is, employment unemployment is at record lows. I mean, even for minorities, it's at record lows. Uh, wages are rising. I mean, I saw Target is projected to raise the minimum wage by 2020 to $15 an hour. They just raised it to $13 an hour. Bank of America just raised their minimum wage to $20 an hour. We're seeing Amazon raise their wages to $15 an hour. We're seeing wages rising, unemployment low. Um, I, I, there's not a, a, enough of a reason, right, for, like, another Democrat to run. And so what are they going to run on? They're stealing your money. Um, the Demo- the Republicans are, are stealing your money. Um, they, the tax cuts are all going to the rich. That's not true. Well, um, with what you said about um, the when they talk about socialism or socialist, um, what is a socialist democracy uh, of the European countries? You know, I, I I even as a liberal and a Democrat, I don't necessarily buy that because those are co- 
countries that are very a very different microcosm than the United States because like Norway and all these other Scandinavian countries their population is like three to four million people. And they're homogeneous societies. Exactly, exactly. Everybody's pretty much the same so they don't have the issues culturally and socially that we have. So how the hell are you going to compare an economy that has three million people to one that has how, how, how big are we 350 million something like that i mean i don't think that's a good example but but the obviously when you talk about more socialist ideas that you know the democrats are talking about now whether it be healthcare or college and so healthcare especially um you know i i those are things that are very true to a lot of people because when the president was talking now about repealing Obamacare, it's like, look, I know Obamacare has a lot of flaws. I know it has a lot of flaws, so I'm not going to sit here and defend Obamacare and think it's the best thing that has ever happened to healthcare. And now everybody's happy and free because my healthcare actually did go up after Obamacare. But I also know people, my mother being one of them, my mother wouldn't get um, – my mom lost her job. My hometown, half of my family lost their job during um, the recession because they were all in banking. And my mom lost her um, her her job after you know in two thousand nine. Yep. And her biggest fear was losing her health care. And after her cobra ran out, she wasn't a retirement age yet. She lost her health care because nobody wouldn't show her because she had a pre existing condition. So that's one of those situations that it's like okay, I saw in real life what you know some of the issues with healthcare are so you know i think that when a lot of people are asking for some type of reform to healthcare whether it be obamacare or another plan because look when when trump was like repeal and replace i was like okay well repeal and replace what are you going to replace it with because i imagine you're going to replace it with something better and if you are i thought that was a missed opportunity for the republicans i'm, I'm sorry i'm blurting out here no 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 you've no. been complaining about Obamacare, and none of the Republicans voted for it, which is true. And in all this time, you didn't come up with your plan? But so the, I was like, come on, But that's, that's one of the things. I'm like, okay, you want repeal and replace? What are you going to replace, replace it, it with? with right? Maybe Absolutely. it's better. And I, I would have listened to it with an open, you know, open well, mind. There, there has been some ideas that have been thrown around, right? Like, and, and, and to your point, the Obamacare law was over 2,000 pages of, of law. Like, you're going to tell me that Republicans can't find anything in there that mm-hmm. would be like? I mean, of course we're going to say pre-existing conditions should be uh, covered, right? But it's almost to the point where, you know, people are being forced into these plans that they didn't want, that don't cover the things that they want, that didn't get the doctor that they wanted. And insurance rates still went up, right? Costs were out of control. That's what happens when the government fixes the price of of services and products. And what we saw in addition to that is that we we can make a law that includes pre-existing conditions. We can make um, a health care policy that – you know, for example, I remember Rubio, Marco Rubio, um, had talked about why can't we buy health insurance in Florida? Why can't we buy health insurance from Nevada? Why can't I buy health insurance from Michigan? Right now, we are only allowed to buy health insurance in the state that you live in. Mm-hmm. That is auto- automatically limiting the competition. I'd rather the government said, listen, you have a pre-existing condition. You have asthma. You have diabetes. You have cancer in the past. You have whatever. I'd rather the government subsidize them completely and let us be able to share a different risk because insurance is to insure against something that is not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to, we don't see or, or, or see or foresee that we're going to fall down the stairs and break our leg and need to get in the hospital. We didn't foresee that we were going to get cancer, you know, but 
We know that we have to go to the doctor every year and get a checkup. We know that we need to get flu shots. So there's some things that are not really like insurance that we're calling insurance. That's not really what insurance is for to prevent against cat or to insure against catastrophic costs. Mm-hmm. So I mean, something like for myself, I'm a young, per- young younger person. I'm not that young anymore. Um, You're younger than us. <laughs> <laughs> You're young. It. I'll take it. Um, you know, it, like there was like a lot of resentment that having to pay a lot of money. I mean, I was before Obamacare, I was on the individual market. Um, and I was paying like around, I want to say like almost $600 a month because mm-hmm. women have to pay for like maternity yeah, aspect, yeah. right? And then, you know, in the last four years I've been self-employed and the rate was over $800. No, it's, it's, how is that? I have to get another client just to be able to pay for my health care. Like, are you kidding me? So it, of course I, I stopped paying for it because going to the doctor, I obviously I needed to be healthy and I don't, I'm, I, I don't have those issues, right? Mm. So I was blessed. Not everybody has that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it angers people because I wasn't able to buy, for example, an insurance that just pre- for ER. If I had to go I, to the ER. All, all those are very valid points. But I think that now when there's tens of millions of people that have been insured o- under Obamacare now, for better or for worse, these are people now that have coverage that at one point they didn't. It's like, how... How can you take these people's coverage away now? Don't take it away. If they truly have an, an uninsurable situation, kind of like citizens' um, insurance for ho- for homeowners mm-hmm. in Florida, the people that cannot get an insurance through a traditional all-state whatever mm-hmm. company. Yeah, they go through citizens. They go through citizens. That's what should happen in this situation. I don't see how it should be different. Well, but it hasn't But it hasn't happened. That's why when he was- That would be my solution. That when he was like- Vote for me. Jessica for mayor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> You will never see that happen. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Nowadays, <laughs> it's it's too much. It's too well, much. Well, MySpace, thankfully, they deleted accidentally all the pictures, so I'm, I'm safe now. You're good. You're good. <laughs> all evidence is now gone. <laughs> so so I give you this, and, and you know, you were our guest. Uh, you know, you're our guest, and you are a Republican. You are conservative. So, you know, we're giving you the floor because a lot of times when we speak politics, we speak from, you know, my especially my angle, and I like. For everybody to have their own opinion, whether we agree or disagree. So to somebody who maybe isn't sure about the Republican Party or isn't even sure on Trump, give us the selling points. Yeah, I mean, like I used to be a registered Republican. After this election, I actually, actually he's a good he's a good example. I, I I'm now registered as independent because I feel like I fall somewhere in the middle. You know, sometimes I, yeah. I'm over here and I'm over here. I mean, th- I think generally speaking, most people are more middle road than extremes, right? I'm talking about life in general. What would you say, you know, I just became so, and again, I've been a Republican my whole life. You know, gay Republican, have at it, Twitter. Um, there's a lot. I mean, I, I mean, I, I know, I know that you feel outcasted, but there's, a, there's even like the log cabin Republicans. That's true, the log cabins. You know, yeah, it's like I have my own float at the parade. It's by myself, but um, no, no. It's by <laughs> but you know, for somebody like myself who became so disheartened with with what the party was became forced to become shown as I don't, I, I don't know how oh, to yeah. phrase it exactly. You know, and, and I will use a. Actually, you, you mentioned that you worked on the Romney campaign. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, he's a Republican who was governor of Massachusetts, historically one of the most, you know, liberal states. states. And, you know, he used to be known as moderate Mitt and things like that. And I, you know, I feel like when, to a degree, maybe I'm wrong, when he became, when he was seeking the nomination or in order to get the nomination, he almost had to like go, well, going to veer this way now so I can appeal, quote unquote, to everyone, you know. 
I, I feel like to the base, right? I feel like if if we had more Mitt Romneys, I could relate more to somebody like that, you know. So I guess moving forward, this is a very long winded way because that's how I talk. Of um, you know, what would you say to somebody like myself who used to be in the party now has decided I don't belong to either party. I'm just gonna go with my heart, and I think ultimately we all should. What would you say to somebody like, look, here's what the Republican Party, not what the perceived the perception is, or you know, what's what's it about, and and where do you think it's going? Look, the Republican Party, just like the Democrat Party, it's, it's made up of the people that are in that group, right? And the, the, it's not perfect. Um, there's things that you know we we have to work at every day to improve, you know. And I think that we're starting to see different Republican values uh, being expressed, like with this new governor in Florida, Ron DeSantis, you know, taking a look at the environment and being much more concerned about that. And I give him credit. I didn't vote for him, but I give him credit that he did do that. You know, taking a look at, at, at a number of different issues and I think taking a much more balanced and, and approach. Um, I would say that the Republican Party, uh, uh, sh- if, if you are somebody who, who likes individualism, who likes individual liberties, who likes the government being less in control of your life, the government not dictating to you what kind of health care you can have, uh, what kind of education you should you can have. Um, I, I That's why I vote for Republican. I vote for individual liberty. I vote for my values. I vote for, you know, my religious liberties. Um, that, that's why I'm a Republican. I, I like the fact that, you know, my family came here. Um, uh, my stepfather's father came here as a poor pig farmer worked at the Tootsie Roll factory in New Jersey, and before he, he didn't know how to write, but he was a very good at math, and you know, with his hard work and his ingenuity, he was able to create a couple of multi-million dollar businesses before he died. Oh, wow. Um, and The American dream. The American yeah, right. dream, and, and, and how many of those do we have here from small backgrounds, from Africa, from Vietnam, from China, from any country? We have, we have that, and so that's only possible because of less government intervention, less taxes, less the government telling you have to buy this health care, and so that makes everything more expensive. So that's why I'm a Republican. Good. That's why I wanted to have you on, because I, I feel that in today's political climate, everything is a little bit in extremes. Um, well, a little bit, no, a lot in extremes. And um, and a lot of so times, and a lot of times, it kind of the message or the true identity or ideology gets watered down because we're going on sound bites or Twitter feeds or who could scream the loudest. And you know, I've always thought that good government is when both both people are on their a game. You know, both sides are on their a game, not this offensive defensive crap that we've had for the you know for some time now you know it's all like collateral you do something i do something back and 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 sometimes i feel like you know you call something out if you're a republican then you're labeled a bigot you're labeled Mm -hmm. a racist and Mm -hmm. i think that's very unfair you know like we had just this week uh, um the congresswoman from minnesota the new the congresswoman omar um accused the new congressman from from texas dan crenshaw of you know not caring about 9/11 victims when he lost his eye in combat fighting uh, in the war over there whether we agree with it or not I think mm-hmm. uh, in hindsight I probably don't agree with it but um, at that time that was the American politics yeah. time so don't say that you don't care about 9/11 victims that's but that's why she said that because he went to she was- said that Dan Crenshaw doesn't care about 9/11 victims because they didn't vote on her bill to fund something for mm-hmm. for victims of 9/11. That makes him. She has uncaring. a very spicy mouth, you know. Even what but, she said about Israel but, and all that. You no, know, 
that's why people have to go to extremes these days, right? You have to call things out for how they are. And, and, and unfortunately, the fact that we can say something here in this room and anyone in the world can go on to Spotify or iTunes and find your... Your, your podcast in here. Pero let me tell you. Pero dot com. let me tell you. <laughs> Pero like, let me tell you how to do this. On iTunes, Spotify. <laughs> saw Google that plug. Thank you for the plug. That was, that was so organic. Um, you know, we have the ability now to connect in a way never before. And so I think that we as a society, as human beings, need to kind of get a handle of that. We're not all journalists. We're not all arbiters of the truth. So I'm glad and you're saying that because you know what I'm going to say. So, you know, we always say here the best thing about like social media and technology and all that. The best thing is that it gave everybody a voice. The, the worst, worst thing, thing is that it gave everybody a voice. <laughs> I always say it. and I know it's going to sound horrible. Not everybody deserves to be heard. I'm just going to say it like not everybody deserves oh to God, have an opinion. I'm sorry. Like it's just but it's just the reality. Like, you know what? Some people are just stupid. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I you know, I, that's sad, you know, right? But for why c people like capitalism is that is that there's winners, right? Mm -hmm. But for there to be winners, there has to be a loser, and that's very hard for people. But we know that if you give everybody the same, the ones that like to work hard are not going to be happy. Participation ribbons for everyone. That's <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, but I mean, again, I think I think I I'm. I'm just so tired of it, you know, whether it's from Trump or just the political climate of it. I, I just I'm waiting for the day that politics goes back to policy and issues. This is what it is. Let's fight it out on this. But that's it. You know, that's what it should be. And it's it's become now something I, I don't even know what it's yeah, become. I will tell you that I will tell you that I probably don't feel comfortable going out in public wearing a MAGA hat or a, a Trump shirt because I feel like I would probably get physically attacked. Yeah. And I think that's very unfair. Right. Because this is a person that was ele elected legitimately. And I don't think that we've ever gone to a country where I don't think that we were going to be in a country where if somebody was wearing an Obama T-shirt, that I would automatically ha feel the need to go correct them. Be like, how dare you support that guy? And that's kind of where we've become in a way where like there's a sense of contempt because of who you voted for. It's yeah. my freaking right. It's your yeah. right to vote for no, who no, you no. Want. You Listen. voted for Hillary. You voted for Obama. You voted for Trump. That's your right. That's why we're here. When people were saying not my president, I was like. I didn't vote for him. I don't like him. But actually, he is your president, whether you like it or not. You could complain for four years. You could scream and yell, but he is your president. He did win fairly. Um, you know, the whole thing with, with Russia, uh, I mean. Come on. You, you know, the, the whole thing with the Mueller report, and I, I guess that could be something that we could talk now since it's, you know, debate now. <laughs> I uh, remember, and I said it here, so it's recorded. Yes. I said it here. Said it here I was like, listen, people uh, the whole thing with the Mueller report, I'm like, unless they find a smoking gun, like a hotel receipt of Trump in a hotel by the Kremlin, I, I go, I go see a smoking gun. I'm like, yeah. this is not going to bring up anything. It's not going to bring up anything. And it, and I've always thought that, and and there I agreed a hundred percent with Nancy Pelosi. I'm like, when people start throwing around the word impeachment, impeachment. again, you better have facts to back this up. And 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 also. What an impeachment of a president will do to the country. It's like Terrible. if we're divided now. Civil war will break out. Uh, 
I think so. I mean, it, it will be bad. I, I could see people rioting because it's going to become very bad. I mean, it's bad now. We should, <laughs> And we should riot if they truly were trying to impeach the president for something that he didn't do. Yeah. Right? Because that is an assault against our democracy. And then we have to wonder, if that's happening, who's benefiting from that yeah. the most? Look, I never thought it would get to impeachment. And it's not going to be American. There's no American that can benefit. That's our foreign adversaries, right? And so we can disagree with Trump and his behavior. We don't like his tweets. But when when we're sitting, if we sit here and we have the pleasure of meeting again on this podcast in 10 years, one of the most important things that we're going to look back and see that Trump did is the confrontation of China. China has gone unchecked um, in trade for 20 years. In 20 years. I'm sure you guys remember. Mm -hmm. 20 years ago, you used to be able to flip the, the, the label on your shirt and, and see, oh, it was made in the USA. Oh, it was made in the hemisphere. It was made in Mexico. It was made in Canada. Now everything is made in China. I, I challenge you to look at the things that you aren't just on your person. Where are they made? No, 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 it is. It so is. <laughs> that is one of the most fundamental things is that and, and, and our, on our distraction and fighting the war in the Middle East, who benefited that for the most? See, but those are the China. things, Mira, those are the things that I, that's why I keep telling Russia. you, I keep telling you PR, PR, PR. Those are the things about him that I think that somebody can say, because for example. He th- does th- say these things, but they just, every time it's about Russian collusion, now they can't say that anymore. But but the whole thing with China, years. I agree with that. I, you know what, I'll, you know what Trump did? And I'll, I'll say here, I'll record it. Trump did, and I agreed a hundred percent with what he did, that he signed the Criminal Reform Act. Yep. Uh, that is something that was great because that needed to happen. Amazing. That that needed to happen. And kudos to him. Obama didn't do it. Kudos to uh, him for uh, doing it. Bush didn't do it. Clinton K- didn't do it. Kudos for him for doing it. But again, we get stuck on on talking and fighting about things that he's spewing out, that he's spewing out, you know. It's not I, things not that people are making out. That. Instead of saying, you know what, he did this that I agree with, or maybe he did this that I didn't agree with. But we're obsessed with his tweets more than what he does. And I think that that's kind of a fundamental issue. I don't know. I guess this is a bigger picture. If maybe that's just how we are with us in the society now, you know, that we're obsessed with like the Kardashians yeah, and reality and all that. I don't know if this is a, a byproduct of that. 100% my opinion. Uh, maybe it is. Uh, you know, now it, it got, if it made it to the White House. <laughs> like it reached up like the top, you know, made it to the White House. I don't know. Stop Andy Cohen for vice president. <laughs> <laughs> No, I could just, can you imagine if, like, when Trump, like, is done being president, he gets show on Bravo? <laughs> Life after the Oval. <laughs> Christmas at the White House. It'd be beautiful. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and we just gave Andy Cohen his next show. It's going to be huge. The biggest reality show ever. Huge. <laughs> so, anyway. Bueno, that was awesome. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, I mean, I honestly will tell you, like, I think initially we thought, okay, well, we'll have Jessica on for, like, you know, half hour or so, and it's about an Not hour. Local, here. It's an hour and 15, so, guys, we initially started this as she's going to be our guest. Honestly, this is going to be the episode, because yeah. there's a lot of good stuff here, and we don't want to, I don't want to be accused later of editing. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know. These guys chopped my words up. <laughs> no, but, um, so, you know, on, on that note, I, I know, Jessica, you know, you've, you've listened to the show, so I'm going to kind of just uh, we end every show with our last soda of the desert, mm-hmm. and I'm actually going to give one of my my now creeping toward infamous esoteric sodas. Um, I'm going to give it to what we did here today, which is discourse, you know, discussion, conversation, ability to sit across from people who you may not agree with on everything, but you can talk things out. And I really, really hope that you know more people maybe take a, a lead from this episode or mm-hmm. their lives in general. 
and understand that you know you can't live your life in an echo chamber just listening to what you want to listen to you have to be open to other opinions that's how we have and it's okay to disagree and it's okay to disagree disagree absolutely is what made this country it's okay to disagree and it's okay to disagree hard just to, you know be respectful and don't call people names <laughs> unless they're being stupid like i just called people because i just you know but. No, but but i think it's important and i really appreciate you saying that because at the end of the day we're all americans and and we might disagree on how to get to the goal that we want, but I think that we all truly want the same goal, right? We want to live in a prosperous country. We want to live in a country that has health care for everybody available. So I agree. We have to – they're people. We're talking about people. Be nice. Be nice and be respectful. So thank you so much for joining us, Jessica. Thank you. It, was, it was so much. It was I mean was I, I have to I have to admit, you know, it was kinda like, oh, an entire hour on politics. Uh, I'm not I'm not the political junkie he is. So but you made it very enjoyable and, and you said and you, you could come back anytime you want, but you did say ten years, so we're gonna hold you. Yes, we're gonna hold ten you. years will be an episode like one thousand. So God willing, yeah. God willing we will be. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So as always, everybody, we hope you listen, laugh, and learn. And remember to grab your patelito, your croqueta, and your jupina, and thank you for joining us. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.